Satan's destroyer. I am the eternal flame of salvation burning through your life, your liberty, and your pursuit of fucking happiness. I suggest you get rid of the motherfucker. How's it going, everyone? This is Chuck Nasty, and that means you're listening to another episode of Romero Pictures Indie Brigade presents Nasty Nation. I uh, hope everyone had a uh, good Thanksgiving. I know I did. It was pretty much low-key and chill. Uh, my girlfriend and I, we uh, we cooked some food. Uh, we watched <laughs> we watched an episode of Friends. That was a Thanksgiving episode, and we topped the night off with uh, Thanksgiving, which is about a killer turkey, which if you watch Two Guys, One Crypt, uh, you'll see us dis- discussing that on the recent episode of that. Um, I'm glad I was able to do an episode tonight. I wasn't sure uh, how things were going to go. Been kind of crazy. Holidays and families and everything else going on. But man, I was able to do it. And tonight I've got a really great show for you. Um, someone who I wanted to have on the show for a while was my friend Sam Mason. Uh, writer, director, producer, special effects artist, all around creative type, uh, good dude. And we had a nice little conversation a little while ago um, about everything from our favorite films, some of my favorite films, the Hellraiser films. Uh, we talked about reboots, remakes. We talked about heavy metal and horror. We talked about all kinds of stuff. So stick around. And uh, after after this this little break here, come back with uh, Sam Mason. Enjoy. <laughs>
call is now being recorded. Sam Mason, how you doing, brother? I'm doing fucking awesome, brother. How you doing, Nasty? Hanging in here, man. Freezing. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, luckily it's, uh, it ain't that cold out here. You know, during the night it gets chilly, but, you know, it's the luxuriousness of being in L.A. even if you're fucking poor. Right, right, yeah. Uh, we we actually just got the first snow uh, here in Kentucky last night. And, uh, man, I do not like the cold weather at all. Fucking yeah, dude, Kentucky I, weather yeah. sucks. <laughs> dude, it's funny, man. Years ago, I uh, I was a truck driver. And um, I got stuck in a blizzard about, what, six, seven, seven years ago now, seven, eight years. Um, and I guess it was the first blizzard that had been through there in quite a while. So I went to bed, and uh, it was cold, but it wasn't that cold. And I woke up, it was fucking minus 20 degrees with like two foot of snow on the ground. Oh, shit. And, uh, yeah. And, like, I decided right then and there I had to walk, like, 30 feet into the store to, you know, get my, my coffee and everything in the morning. And uh, I decided right then and there I would never live in a place that made my face hurt. Right, yeah. Well, <laughs> Kentucky weather Kentucky weather is so fucking weird anyway, dude. I mean, the last, like, 10 years it's just been – like, we, we had a little bit of snow last winter, quote-unquote oh. winter. And it wasn't much at all. Um, I'm kind of hoping that's how this is again, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I do not do not like it at all. It fucking sucks. I'm, I don't like being cold. Like right now, I'm sitting in a room that is fucking freezing. Like I've got a blanket on me. I've got my fucking hoodie on. <laughs> like, I do not like being cold. Do not like. Right? See, and, and uh, here I am in LA in 70 degree weather, wearing fucking shorts. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the thing is, like, I, I'm, I've been, I wear shorts in the winter too. Like, right. it's very rare to, to to catch me wearing pants. <laughs> if that sounds weird, I'm sorry. <laughs> it definitely sounds weird, but coming from you, it's not a joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You, you've learned so much so far. <laughs> um, so let's let's get right right down into it, man. Um. So. Tell me how how you're you're wanting to direct and be a part of you know writing directing special effects. How did that really uh, come about with you in your life? Um, okay, so I, I've always kind of been a performer. Um, you know, back when I was thirteen, fourteen, my grandpa was uh, was real big into Moose Lodge, and uh, they put on a play, and I got to play the the prince and sleeping beauty in this live action play they did for, you know, for the lodge. And I just, I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, and of course take it back a few years earlier than that, even when I was, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years old, um, my dad raced off road. We had an off road racing team, dune buggies, you know, the Baja 1000 and all that shit. And, um, so my dad was one of the first precision drivers in Hollywood. Um, you know, stuntman. Um, Very cool. And so I kind of, you know, grew up there, but didn't. Um, you know, I mean, I, I saw all the cool shit that he was doing, and you know, and it, it kind of, you know, struck me. I mean, the, the guy was my hero, um, but it wasn't really, you know, didn't stick out to me that that was what I wanted to do. 
Um, so fast forward to 2006, um, I decided to, to stick my hand into acting and, and give it a, you know, give it a pretty good shot. Um, so in 2006, I did six films, uh, three leads, one co-star, um, you know, short films, student films, fucking anything I can get my hands on. Um, I submitted for and, and went for it. Um, and, and, and majority of the ones I sent out for, I got, um, but it wasn't really enough to pay the bills and at the time I was supporting the family. So I was like, okay, yeah, this ain't going to work for me. So, you know, I did what I did. I had some fun and, and moved on. Um, you know, then a couple of years later, um, I wrote a play, um, you know, as you know, um, I'm, I'm sober, um, almost 12 years now. Um, Thank you. Thank you. Um, I was, uh, I was real big in the AA community. Um, and one of my commitments in, in the program was the entertainment chair for a convention, our local convention in Chattanooga. Um, and so I wrote a play, um, not knowing that it would, you know, how it would do or, or anything else. So, I, uh, I wrote a play called uh, Snow White and the Seven Character Defects. Um, it's nice. You know, right? And uh, and it was a hit. Um, you know, everybody loved it. It was great. But I'd never really put that quite together. Um, you know, I wrote it. I directed it. I narrated it. Um, you know, and it was, it was awesome. Um, and then fast forward a few years later, um, Jeremy Miller is one of my best friends. Um, and he was talking to me about some of, uh, some of the stuff that he had going on. And I was like, dude, let me, let me pitch you a couple of ideas that I've been working on for a while. Um, and so I pitched him a couple of my ideas and he looked at me and he's like, dude, you got to jump on this. You got to do this. So let me get you in touch with somebody. So he got me in touch with somebody and they really pushed me to do it. So I sat down and I wrote normal terror in less than 30 days for the first draft. Um, and, uh, it's kind of been a whirlwind since then. Um, you know, I, uh, I just kind of jumped and, and took it and, you know, I had casting and posters and promotional shit. And I, you know, one thing I did learn real quick in that, you know, instance was that I didn't know shit about the business side of things. Right. And so I jumped headfirst into fucking, into production and, you know, started filming and started getting footage and already had all my cast and, you know, was working out deals and, you know, percentages on how I was going to pay everybody. And, you know, and it was all good, but then it turned around and it bit me in the ass because then when I started looking for funding, um, all of a sudden, you know, I didn't have an EPK. I didn't have, you know, proper contracts and I didn't have, you know, this and that. So it was like... You know, I had so much shit I had to learn in in such a short period of time to get caught up on the business side of things um, to where I was on the production side of things. So, um, you know, definitely not something that I would do again. Um, but, you know, I, I, I jumped head first and, you know, and, and I learned the mistakes that I needed to learn. And, you know, that's that's how we grow. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um where okay speaking of that now first off jerry miller being jerry miller from uh crime pains right that's correct yeah he was that is correct most, 
He's most known for uh, for Ben Seaver growing up on Growing Pains. I, I I remember him very well. I was a fan growing up. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like it's it's, it's pretty cool. Um, where where was the first time that you found that you really liked uh, that you wanted to do something in horror? Um, I've always kind of been dark and demented. Um, right. You know, <laughs> being, a, you know, we, we talked earlier before we got on recording, you know, I used to be a truck driver. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, I spent a lot of time in my head, you know, those, those long hours on the road driving back and forth across the country. Um, and so it really gives you a lot of time to think. Um, I've always been a fan of serial killers, um, not necessarily, you know, the act of what they're doing, but, the psychology behind it and, you know, why they do what they do and, you know, those kinds of things. And so um, really horror is, is my go-to. It's, it's my escape into reality that, you know, whatever grievances I may have in the real world, I can make happen on screen and not get arrested for it. Right. Right. Exactly. I feel the same fucking way about writing and things too, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's definitely an escape from uh, from things. Definitely, uh, you know. So I mean, I can I can do whatever sick, twisted shit that you know that that I think of in my head and not get in trouble for it, and people will love it. So, dude, it's a win-win. Yeah, exactly. No, completely. Uh, now you mentioned serial killers. I I am also a, uh, a serial killer Edwin. historian of sorts, I guess. <laughs> Uh, intrigued by certain things. Um, mm-hmm. Who would you say would be a serial killer that really always intrigued you? Ed Gein. <laughs> Old Eddie. Old Eddie is my absolute fucking favorite twisted sick fuck. The uh, a very a very uh, a favorite of the horror genre. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, uh, Psycho, Sons of the Lambs. Uh, and a few other movies that were Texas based Chainsaw. on Texas Chainsaw. Of course, oh yeah, duh. Of course, mm-hmm. like one of the one of the main ones. Fuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, he, he's he's definitely a. See, I was I was kind of weird about always calling him a serial killer though, because right. he only killed he only killed two and he, he mutilated fifteen corpses. But the uh, the interesting thing about Ed Gein, as you know. Uh, is the fact that it wasn't so much of how many people he killed; it was what he did with the bodies he, uh, like he, you know, he they did kill, and the fact of him digging up all these bodies and making different contraptions in his house and different, you know, like a belt made of nipples. I mean, right? If you can't, if you can't call him a carpenter, I mean, really? Well, that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it really, if you think about it, you know, and and you really break down the psychology of that, I mean, you know, what, what the fuck made him switch and do those things is what I want to know. You know, that's the right. kind of shit that intrigues me is what pushed him over that edge that makes him, you know, say, you know what? I'm going to take all these fucking nipples and I'm going to cut them off the bodies and I'm going to piss on them to tan them like they used to do in the olden days. Mm -hmm. And once the, you know, once they're, they're, they're sealed and they're no longer deteriorating, then I'm going to make a fucking belt. 
Yeah. You know, and it's like, you know, I think, it, dude, I would love to have a nipple belt. Um, <laughs> what, what makes, dude, seriously, I mean, like, what are people thinking that they come up with this kind of shit? You know, oh, yeah, so, yeah. You know, so that I, I did a lot of research when I was, you know, putting together normal terror and the kills and you know, I mean I, I loosely based it around the Green River killer, um, but also added in a you know, a little bit of Ted Bundy, a little bit of, you know, Ed Gein, a little bit of, you know, this and that. So um you know, it's yeah, I'm I'm just very fascinated by them. Um you know, one uh, matter of fact, uh, the opening scene in Normal Terror is a quote that I wrote years ago when I first started developing the story, um, and it says, "The difference between sanity and insanity is the ability to keep your insane thoughts inside of your sane mind." I like that. Very nice. I like that a lot, actually. Thank you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. See, that's. That's one thing that, uh, that I've always uh, liked about you is the fact that you're about as fucked up in the head as I am. <laughs> I mean, it, it just makes fucking sense, which which also, just to let everybody know, <clears throat> we've been trying to, to get this particular show and to have you on for a while now. It just seems like fucking life gets in the way, shit gets fucking crazy. So I, I, I want to say real quick, I'm glad that we were able to actually do this now. <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, which actually, you, you were talking about normal terror. Uh, what exactly? Uh, well, I know a little bit about it, but go ahead and, and give uh, a plot, uh, like the plot of the film and whatnot. Uh, the plot of the film is a single father doing his best to take care of his son, um, and. The difference between, you know, the, your everyday average Joe, uh, flipping a switch and also being a serial killer. So at the same time that he's trying to raise his son to have the right, you know, morals and, and values to be a productive member of society, he does these horribly, you know, um, just demented and sick, twisted things, um, you know, that, that are just completely unconscionable. Um, so on one hand, you see this father-son relationship, and they're you know they're they're doing the best to get by, and you know and all that. And then you know on the flip side of that, when he's not around his son, or you know when you know when his son's in bed, um, you know he becomes this horrible monster. So it's it's definitely a love-hate story. Kind of kind of has a, a very talk about serial killers and stuff too. Kind of almost has like a BTK kind of uh, story as well. You know, God trying mm-hmm. to to teach his family, you know, his kids the right thing, and uh, and then also he's going out and doing these horrible, horrific uh, uh, things to people <laughs> that that he's trying to. I don't know. It, it kind of gives me that kind of feel to it. I, I I I'm really curious about when you get it done, you can uh, see this thing, man. I, I like the uh, the the poster, I guess, the picture that I always see of it. Uh, mm-hmm. You being in the, in the mirror, and there's. You normal one side and in the mirror is you covered in blood and screaming. Right. Uh, I, that's, that's, that's actually like, I, if you ever make shirts, let me know. Cause that's, that'd be a, a killer shirt, I think. 
I I will definitely look into doing that. You know, we've got that uh, that image vectorized, so we can make it as big or as small as you know as necessary to make that you know as kick ass as possible. So, um, you know, that was actually uh, my first editor's um, you know concept. Um, he brought it to me and was like, you know, what are we going to do with this poster? And you know, I had a contest when we first you know announced it on social media, and you know, I started building up a, a fan club, um, you know, for for the idea and the concept. Um, and uh, he's like, dude, what do you think about this? And I was like, fucking love it. Um, and so we did a photo shoot, and uh, you know, our our graphic artists, uh, you know. Uh, I, I, I hired an outside graphic artist and, you know, just, just somebody I could afford at the time. Um, and, and he absolutely killed it. Um, you know, he, he brought that to life and, you know, and, and made that just a phenomenal piece of work. And I'm, I, I couldn't be more ecstatic about the poster itself. I gotta say, now, is that gonna be, is that gonna be the cover as well when it's released? Uh, probably. I like that. It, it, it kind of makes me think of uh, back when, and some people might be too young that are listening to even know what these were, but uh, movie rental places <laughs> uh, that when I would go to, a, a, a you know, my local rental store and I would just try to find covers that just stuck out, uh, that one that one sticks out. And the name Normal Terror itself, I really love that. That's just Normal Terror. It just kind of makes you think of so much stuff. Um, and, and it, it kind of has an old school 80s slasher, like flick kind of like sound to it. Um, and the cover as well kind of has that whole thing. And, uh, I, I really dig the shit out of that. So much props to you, uh, on that shit. I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's, you know, yeah, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm, a, I'm an 80s kid. You know, I, I, I was born in the 70s, grew up in the 80s and, you know, started doing, you know, a life of uh, not quite living uh, in the 90s. So, um, right. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, that was my delinquent years, you know, the late 80s, early 90s. So, um, you know, I, I really have to, to pay tribute to, you know, the, the, the 70s and 80s horror films that really created the genre and the subgenre of, of what we know today to, to be horror. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, the the 20s, 30s, 40s, you know, Bella Luigi and, and all those guys, um, you know, they, they did amazing things. Um, but if you look at horror, you know, and you go through, you know, the years, the biggest jump in horror films and where they are today happened during the 70s and 80s. You know, you, you know, you went, you know, a Texas Chainsaw Massacre and, you know, of course the Exorcist was, was big and, you know, and it did its thing in the sixties. Um, you know, but, you know, you really take a, a jump forward when you get to the, the seventies and eighties, you know, you got Jaws and you got, you know, Hellraiser and you got Nightmare on Elm Street and you got, you know, Myers and Jason and, you know, and all of these things that, you know, that, that started in that area that became our icons. Yeah. You know, so I, I you know, I, I, I feel it's really necessary to, to pay homage and, and tribute in, you know, in my visionary way um, to, to those processes and, and those, you know, those people. Well, I mean, uh, that's, that's, uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's for, 
uh, even like, you know, the, the Bell Lugosi and, you know, mm-hmm. Boris Karloff days and all that shit. We all, we all love them. We all, you know, but when you think of like slasher films and you think of when things got really <sighs> tasty, I guess is <laughs> the weirdest way I could think of to say it. Um, the eighties always, it always comes up, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. of course the seventies had, the seventies had all kinds of great, great films, but like the eighties is where, you know, when you're talking to like horror fans, a lot of times they're like, oh, well, my favorite time is like the eighties films, you know, you know, you, 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 I can't remember, I guess I, like, you know, you had like the slumber party massacre films and you have, uh, your, your Fulci came out with a few, you know, in the seventies, early eighties, Argento, uh, fuck. There's, I'm drawing blanks right now. There's so many different fucking like films that came out. But the 80s is the one, like that to me is like where horror slasher and gore really came into the limelight. Right. And that's when people really started taking more of a notice. And also, if you look at these days, uh, there's a lot of fucking horror films that have come out that are completely paying homage to the 80s you know, horror style. Right. Uh, you know, there's, I, they, they, they even like, you know, at one time they came out with movies that, uh, you know, made it, had an eighties feel to it, but they weren't taking place in the eighties. Now you get movies that take place in the eighties, have eighties style sounding like scores and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's all, it's honestly beautiful. It really is. Uh, we watched a, a movie the other night that my girlfriend did called the call. Have you heard of that? I don't think I've heard of that one. It's got Lynn Shay and uh uh Tobin Bell. Um okay. and it's it it's it takes place in the eighties. The soundtrack is completely like the score is completely eighties and you get that whole feel from that whole movie. And that's what I was actually thinking about the other night when I was watching, I was like, Man, there are so many fucking films these days that really well, take, and not just you know, not even just films though. I mean, you've got fucking TV series that are based around it. You know, you've true. got uh, Stranger Things and American Horror Story, and you know, uh, what is it, um, um, uh, Bates Motel. You know, I mean, you've mm-hmm. got a ton of things you know out there right now that you know, and even over the last decade that have really you know paid tribute to to the eighties. You know, and it's, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I personally think that the reason the 80s made such a headway was because we started normalizing these horrible things. We had, you know, mass media, you know, we had a bunch of serial killers, the Night Stalker and all this other stuff in the 80s mm-hmm. and 90s that really were doing these horrible things, but more people were hearing about it. Right. And yeah. so it started becoming an acceptable norm in society. Um, you know, and I think that was when the special effects in, in, in film decided to take and make a way to monetize the monstrosities happening in the world. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, lucky for us and, you know, people like us that, that enjoy that kind of shit, knowing that it's not real, um, you know, but, but still – you know, that, that some of it is based loosely on truth. Um, you know, that, that we, they started creating, you know, and, and finding ways to show that on film to the masses and, 
you know, I mean, fuck, dude, it exploded, man. It's a it's a multi billion dollar industry. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> what with the uh, staying with with, with the theme of uh, uh, '80s films and and just well, I guess just slashers in general, I gotta ask, um, what would be like your top like three or four like movies like horror films that like you are like ah, I want to watch something I don't know what to reach for. But hey, there's always this one I always go to. Like, well, do you have a few of those? Hellraiser is always top of the list. Fuck yeah, um, Hellraiser is is my favorite. Um, you know, it, you know, if you if you dive into the story and and how it was made, and you know, it was very ominous. It was very creepy. It was very what the fuck back in the day. You know, I mean, here's this demon coming to Earth to, you know, requisition souls who, you know, step across the line, you know. And, um, you know, in in a way, you know, I I always enjoyed that aspect of it, you know. And then, of course, you add in the the special effects and, you know, the design and, you know, the – I mean, it was, you know, looking back at it now, it's cheesy as fuck, Um, you know, but – at the time, it had never been done before, and it was fucking phenomenal. Um, right. You know, so it takes me back to those childhood memories of, you know, hiding and, and sneaking into horror movies and, you know, and shit like that. So it takes me back to a good time in life that, you know, I can still enjoy it without completely tearing it apart, you know. Right. <laughs> you know, by today's standards. So. Hellraiser, dude. Oh man, that was that was my first horror tattoo. My elbow is uh is the puzzle, the puzzle box, the merchant's box. Yep. And it that that was man. You know, me and my friends because uh, it takes you back to you know sneak into horror films and stuff. That mm-hmm. movie, oh, man. At least the first three. Okay. Like yeah. I I, I got to say, you know, I, me and my, I had a buddy of mine growing up that we were, we, we got into horror films together. And, you know, we, you know, read Stephen King, we got into Clive Barker mm-hmm. and Hellraiser. When we first watched that. When we first rented that VHS. Kids, mm-hmm. in case you're not familiar with VHS, VHS are these things, these big tapes. <laughs> <laughs> which, which I'm actually, I'm looking at my Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2 um, VHSs right now, actually. Nice. Uh, they're right in front of me. Um, and the, the, the Clive Barker collection is what it's called. <laughs> but he mm-hmm. just had those two movies up. Um, that, man, yeah. Hey, there was something strange and unfamiliar mm-hmm. because right. it's, it's a film, at least talking about the, at least the first one. It's a yeah. film that when you when you watch it, you don't really know what you're getting into. If you have no idea about the you know the Hellbound Heart, you know Clive Barker's uh, classic novella, uh, you really you know the only thing you know about it is the guy has pins in his head. And you watch this fucking movie, and everything about it is brilliant. I mean, it's it's not just uh you know a guy killing people. It's not just, you know, some monster fucking coming out from under the bed. You know, this is the gatekeepers of hell. <laughs> and it, it, as a kid, it changes you. I mean, it really does. It, I mean, it, I, I wanted more. After I saw, like, Hellraiser, that was something that, like, completely, like, I wanted the comic books. I wanted every movie I could fucking find. It, told me, it totally drew me in to Clive Barker even more. 
I mean, it, I mean, that's that you can't really actually like that's that's part of the best fucking like answer you could give was Hellraiser. I mean, that's Hellraiser and Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Those are my two favorites. So, so I totally, I totally am with you on that shit, dude. Uh, right. Are you uh, now actually hell shit? Since we're talking about Hellraiser, um, the whole franchise in itself. Like, are you are you a fan of all of them just because of the franchise, or is there some that you're like, eh? Like, what, what are your favorite Hellraiser films besides the, besides the first one? Because we know that one is like the golden, like that's the one that you can't touch. But like, where 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 do you stand with the other the other well, films of Hellraiser? Now I know this is gonna reach some people, and uh, okay, if I'm gonna be absolutely honest, um, please. Okay, um, after the first three. Um, I'm not really a huge fan. Um, I got you. you know, Doug Bradley and what he did bringing Pinhead to life, um, is just completely remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I know that other actors have tried to, to, to pay their respects to the character. Um, but I, don't necessarily think they accomplished it. Um, you know, I, I know they gave it their best and I respect their talents and, you know, I, I appreciate that very much. Um, I just don't think that they really did it justice. Um, and that may be the writer, may be the director, may be the special effects artist, whatever it is. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an originalist that way. Um, mm-hmm. but, you know, it's, yeah, I just, I, I just don't think that, you know, I, one of my biggest issues is with, um, you know, reboots and remakes. Um, right. I, I'm dude, you know, it, you have to – I understand that you have a cash cow in something. You know, you create an iconic character, it becomes a cash cow. And you want to, you know, obviously, you know, continue making money off of that. Um, but at the same time, you have to have a story, you know, the, the story is what sells the film, you know, the, the visual, the, you know, putting it all together is what sells it. Um, and just continuing to, to beat a dead horse over and over and over and over again after you've lost a story, um, I, I think is just ridiculous. And it, it takes away from, you know, new people coming up in the industry, um, you know, that that are trying to create an iconic character, um, right. you know, but don't necessarily have the um, the reach to to really put it out there. Um, you know, I'll give you a prime example: uh, Billy Pond Circus of the Dead. <clears throat> um, I think if it was to have the publicity that you know some of these other films do, Rob Zombie's, you know, um, you know. Quentin Tarantino's, you know, the, 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 you know, the, 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 uh, fucking, yeah, you know, uh, Robert Rodriguez's, Eli Ross, um, if they were to have that kind of publicity and reach or opportunity, um, I think, you know, Papa Corn and what Bill Oberst Jr. did with that character, um, would be fucking unstoppable. Um, you know, I, 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 I believe that that is truly one of the the newest iconic characters, you know, that that's just ridiculously phenomenal. 
Um, and I, I respect, you know, Billy Pawnee is a good friend of mine. Um, you know, and, and, and I love what he did with that, with that character and that work. Um, so, you know, I, I think we need to start advancing past these names of, you know, characters and move on to letting the new guy come in and, and give him the opportunity that, you know, you had back in the 80s, 90s, and early 2000s with, you know, some of these other guys becoming what they became. No, I agree. I agree 100%. Uh, now, Circus of the Dead, I have not, unfortunately, got a chance to watch that. Uh, I do want to see it. Um, I, I I agree with you. Um, I As much as I love, you know, my... Uh, you know, my pinhead films and I, I, I love the Freddy movies and Jason and, you know, all that shit. Uh, like, like, well, hell, like Chucky, they have seriously run that one into the ground. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, how is there no one with originality like anymore? Like, I, you know, come up with these new characters. Like what, what, where are these new characters at? You know, instead of, instead of destroying what we all loved, <laughs> you know, there, there's so many, uh, like you said, reboots and remakes and all that shit where you're like, okay, well, some of them are good, but it's still like kind of, it's time maybe for some of our classics. Like, let's do, let's do, let, let's have one more kick ass, you know, you know, Friday the 13th film. You know, let's right. have one more Freddy film with Robert England. <laughs> let's, you know, let's, let's have one, one more good film for all these and then call it good. And then let, like you said, let some of the, the new characters come up. Right. You know, but, but that's the thing too is like, you know, they, they've beaten the story to the ground so fucking much on some of these. And, and I'm not going to mm. call out names, but you know, I respect where they started and what they did and what they became. I, I do. Um, but they beat them into the ground so bad that fucking one of them goes into space. I mean, come on. <laughs> right. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, enough is enough. I mean, seriously, you know, it's there's only so much story you can continue to add before it becomes, you know, just fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, you know, and, <laughs> you, and I think that you know, in a way, that that's what these are becoming. These are becoming ridiculous. There's no more originality to to these, you know, box office, you know, smashes. These, you know, huge budget films that. You know, it, it, there's just, there's no originality to them. They've played out everything they can possibly play out. Truth. I, I couldn't help but to laugh. You're, you're in the space, in space comment. Um, because it does seem that like after a certain point, you almost feel like the next movie of whoever is going to be in space. The fact that like Jason, you know, Jason 10, Jason X, however you want to call it, you know, fun film, but was unneeded. Um, Leprechaun in space. Come on, do we really need Leprechaun in space? You know, like, it's a matter of time before they have fucking Chucky in space. <laughs> like, it just, it does get to that point where it, it becomes a parody of itself. And and like I said, it, 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 or we both agree on, it dives those characters straight into the ground to where like, dude, like, what's the point? Like, why are you doing this? You can either make a really good one and then call it good, and then move on. Or right. you can just keep making these fucking films. Like the Hellraiser like, franchise. There's so many films. That even I watched the interview with Doug Bradley the other day. And he was it was, a, it was a live thing he was doing on Facebook. And one of the questions he got 
was, you know, uh, how can you put in order your, your, you know, your least to favorite of the Hellraiser films? And, you know, he mentioned, you know, that it was ridiculous that, you know, Pinhead would be on the cover of something, but yet he's only in it for five minutes. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, because that's what we're all wanting. It's like, I remember the first time I watched Hellraiser, I think it was Inferno. And that was actually his least favorite. But, well, Hellworld was actually his least favorite. But Inferno was right up there with one he didn't really care for either. He's like, I don't understand it. It's lying to the uh, the the crowd. It's lying to the fans. Because they're thinking they're going into a fucking, like, Pinhead's going to fucking do this, that, and the other. And then what you get mm-hmm. is, you get everything else but. And for, like, five minutes, Pinhead's in that. And right. he's just making an appearance, <laughs> you know. And it's like, ah, uh, yeah, I get it. Like, you know, there's, 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 it, they, they, and still talking about Hellraiser with this whole thing because all it all fits is the fact that, you know, enough's enough. <laughs> like, I, I, I like, you know, I love the first three Hellraiser films. The fourth from Bloodlines, I didn't hate it, but. There was parts of it I could have been fine without, <clears throat> but yeah. you know, yeah. And like after that, it was just like okay, fuck. And then you had movies like Revelation that were just complete shit. And you know, I I, I think that the the actors that they chose, mm-hmm. it, it's like buying something in a store, okay, like a high end store. And then, you know, you have Wish, who has a product that's similar, but not quite. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so it's like you have, you know, it's it's similar, you know, in picture. But once you get it in hand, it's nothing like what it started out as. You know, what exactly. you thought you were getting. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, that that franchise has kind of taken off on that path. Um, you know, just to, to, to sell the name, um, you know, and that's, that's what they're using it as, you know, and that goes back to that cash cow statement I, I, I talked about before, um, mm-hmm. you know, so yeah, I think it's definitely time that we, uh, you know, we let those drop and, and move on, you know, with our, with our stuff. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Now I do have to ask this, like, and then we'll get off the Hellraiser topic, but uh, we're both obviously like huge fans of Hellraiser, so we could probably talk about Hellraiser like for hours. Um, right. What, what what was I? What was your opinion of the last one that came out, Judgment? I actually I was actually surprised. Uh, I actually liked it, but um, okay. Um, I'm not saying it's horrible. It's it's not. It's it's watchable. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave it in, in, I gave it an honest shot. Um, you know, but I just, I don't think that the story was on par, um, mm-hmm. with what it could have been. Maybe it was writing, maybe it was execution. I don't know. Um, you know, but I, I, you know, Paul Taylor is a phenomenal guy. Um, he's a phenomenal actor. Um, right, and yeah. I think that he gave it his best. And I respect him for that, um, but it just wasn't the right pinhead. You know, I agree. It, it yeah. wasn't. It, it just it wasn't pinhead. I think if you're going to do something like that and you're going to take away from the original, I think you cre- need to create a new story or new character 
to fill those shoes rather than, you know, putting someone else in the makeup. I can agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that one, man, I'll tell you, I've only, I've actually only watched it one and a half times. And I say it half is because one night me and my girlfriend got some Chinese food. We were like, Hey, we haven't watched this in a while. Let's watch it. And Mm -hmm. we had to turn it off after the first like 15 minutes because that movie is gross. Mm -hmm. Like if, and the thing is, as someone who loves disgusting things, um, I appreciated the fact that, and that may be one of the reasons why I actually like it, is the fact that I had to turn it off while I was eating. Usually that stuff right. doesn't bother me, but god yeah. damn, the first 20 minutes of that movie makes you want to puke, even when you're not eating something. And when you're eating Chinese food, it's even worse. Like, yeah, see, it, I, don't, I don't feel that way about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, it just, it, it, and the thing is, I, I love the fact that it was, uh, it, that it was it was gory and it was disgusting, um, and it had an interesting little. It, it reminded me a lot of the, of the Hellraiser comics, right. uh, more so than the other films. And so that that aspect of it, I, I enjoyed. I understand everything you're saying, though. I totally get that completely. Um, I, it's a lot better than Revelation. I you don't understand how much I hate that fucking movie. I that was. Yeah, you you you're not the only one, dude. I mean, it's oh, God. It, it's almost like um, Smashing Pumpkins meets Hellraiser, um, and like, but not like Smashing Pumpkins, Smashing Pumpkins, but like, um, like Smashing Squash version of Smashing Pumpkins. Right, right. Oh God, so bad. I had a buddy who doesn't part with any of his horror films at all, and I um, came over to his, I came to his house one day. And we're talking. I don't remember how the conversation got started. He goes, here, you can have this. <laughs> I had never seen it. And he gave me Revelations. And I went home, and I, I watched maybe 30 minutes of it. And I was like, well, I'm done with this. And I ended up giving it to somebody else. I almost wanted to throw it away. He was like, I shouldn't even give this to you. Like, yeah. it shouldn't be seen, you know. Yeah. Uh, re-gifting the re-gift. <laughs> if you would have called that a gift, I mean, maybe that's just, that's, that's just Pain on the eyes, man. That was that's a that's a rough one. That's like something yeah. you see on fucking Skinamax without all the fucking sex. Like right, all the <laughs> I think, non- I think, sex. Yeah, yeah. Like if it uh, if it had more tits in it, it probably would be more watchable. And that's why I even say it most because it's that bad of a movie. Yeah. Uh, now now moving now moving on just a little bit. Uh, I have to ask because I I you know usually on this show like I talk about music and I talk about movies mm-hmm. and all that stuff. Um, it, when you're when you're writing a script or when you're working in some way, shape, or form, being creative, um, do you listen to music while you're while you're working? Um, sometimes I do, and sometimes I don't. Um, okay. You know, it it depends on on the mood that I'm in um, because I have to. I don't want to get lost in the sounds. If right. that makes sense. Um, you know, oh, I don't want to get lost in the words that are, you know, that I'm hearing. I don't want to get lost, you know, cause I mean, we all have our favorite music. We know the words to it. We sing along. We, you know, we do all that. So, you know, the, the way my brain processes is I have to, 
either A, be in a mood to, you know, listen to it while I'm working and still be able to focus. So it's like something that I don't really enjoy much because I have to be able to focus on what I'm doing and tuning out. Um, so at that point, it becomes, you know, well, you know, yeah, I like the, the background noise, but at the same time, you know, I got to focus. So I would rather sit in silence in my own thoughts and, and play it out in my head than to, you know, than to, to try and run it. I can totally understand that. I, when, uh, whenever I'm writing horror stories, um, and write my little shit, uh, I can't, I can't listen to anything with vocals in it at all. Uh, okay. yeah, I put in, I, you know, I, I'll put in some, uh, you know, instrumental doom stuff, uh, bands like Bong Ripper and shit like that, mm-hmm. uh, that are completely instrumental. That way, just like you said, you know, the words of these songs and all that stuff, and again, you get lost. In, dude, there's been times where I have sat down to write a fucking story. And I've had music playing that had vocals, and then I ended uh-huh. up writing the fucking lyrics and not even realizing it. Right. Um, so it's like I, I totally get that. Hell, even sometimes I'll put on just like creepy Halloween sounds to where yeah. it just gives me that you know that feeling. You know, uh, right? What's a what 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 does Sam Mason listen to when he's when he's just listening to music? What what is it that you listen to? No, I'm 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 primarily a metalhead. Um, <laughs> you know, so I mean, you know, all the way from Pantera to Morbid Angel to Disturbed yeah. to Five Finger Death Punch to, um, you know, Bastard Sons of a Judas Goat to thank you, you know, um, <laughs> you know yeah, I mean, uh, Severmind, you know, uh, Tool, Pink Floyd, you know, fucking, you know, Zeppelin, you know, it, it just, it really just depends. I mean. I'll throw on the local radio station, you know, I'll throw on Pantera or, you know, not Pantera, but uh, Pandora, um, mm-hmm. you know, I'll go back and forth. I mean, I, you know, I, I honestly, I listen to a lot, um, you know, but it's, it really just depends on my mood. You know, sometimes I'm in the mood for some Primus and, you know, sometimes I'm in yeah. the mood for, you know, Luke Bryant and George Strait and, you know, throw in some country tunes and, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for Eminem or Harry Mack or, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood for jazz or classical. You know, it just it really just depends, you know, but all in all, I, I, I'm i a metalhead through and through um, that has different tastes. So I, I kind of range back and forth that way. I can dig that because, I mean, when you think about it, I mean, horror and, and heavy music have always gone like hand in hand. Right. And. Most of us, like, you know, hardcore horror freaks, you know, most of us listen to, to heavy, like, heavy shit. Now, of course, mm-hmm. we do have, you know, because like, like you said, Pantera and Morbid Angel, which I have to say I saw them both on the same bill years ago on the last tour of Pantera. Right. Uh, yeah, oh, dude, Phil, Phil and Zelmo came out with Morbid Angel to do a song, mm-hmm. and it was fucking awesome. Uh, but, you know, it's like we, as 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 horror guys, there's something that goes hand in hand with that shit though. We, we, there's, I don't know if it's the aggression. I don't know if it's the, it's the overall feel of the music or what. It just seems like it works. And there's so many films out there that totally like mix that whole feeling together, especially more so these days than, than anything. Uh, and I'll, punk rock as well, but you know, just, just heavy, just extreme music in general, you know? Like, um, yeah, but I think that in a way those two have been tied together. And I think maybe it'd be because of the brutality that you were talking about, the heaviness of what it is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I mean that's you know that that's great and all. Um, you know, and I mean it it's been around for as long as it's been around. Um, you know, and tying the two together. Um, you know, but again, going back to, you know, originality, you know, I, I think it's important that we start, you know, trying different things and, and finding new avenues, you know, and, and trying to mix something that normally wouldn't mix. Right. You know, and finding a way to make them coexist and, and change it up a little bit because, you know, I mean, music gives you the feeling of what you're supposed to feel during this time. It gives you an emotion. Um, and even if you don't realize it, you know, you got, you got scores that are very low, um, you know, decibel rating and you can barely make them out. You know, you don't even realize you're making them out at the time you're making them out. Um, and so that affects your, your mood greatly. You know, the colors you're seeing on screen along with what you're hearing, um, affect your emotions. And, you know, as, as a filmmaker, I think it's important that we, we take and we learn how to manipulate those. Um, to a point where it gives you the feeling you want somebody to feel without it being, you know, just a standard stereotypical, you know, gory, aggressive, you know, fuck, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think we need to elicit more emotion rather than just a basic, you know, um, you know, fucking die, 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 die. You know, I think there's well, so much I- more into it than that. Well, I mean, if he, like, even that goes back to Rob Zombie. I mean, that's why Devil's Rejects was a pretty good, I mean, it kind of the same thing. You know, it's like, okay, House of Corpses, the soundtrack was pretty heavy. You know, your, your standard, you know, horror, you know, soundtrack. Right. Devil's Rejects was, it was all classic rock. It was all, yeah. you know, classic Southern rock shit or whatever. And it gave it like, you know, hell, I'll never, I mean, I, I'll never listen to Leonard Skinner again after the end of that movie, <laughs> you know, like the same way, you know? Uh, yeah. And that is cool. That is cool when, 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 uh, when films make you think that, okay, rain and blood from Slayer is going to be playing, but it's actually like some Tori Amos song. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I, you know, just spitball in there. Like, mm-hmm. so I, I totally get what you're saying on that. Definitely. Definitely. Well, and it's like, uh, you go into uh, even silence of the lambs, you know, fucking uh, Hannibal puts on classical music. Yeah, you know what yeah. he's doing, the shit that he's doing. So, you know, it's. I mean, there's a, a lot of different, you know, takes and emotions you pull from that. I mean, like you were saying about Leonard Skinner, you know, you'll never listen to it the same. Um, you know, it's just yeah, you you know, they elicited a completely different emotion out of you than, you know, than than what you were expecting. You know, they they brought that out of you. You know, the the filmmaker made that choice. And, you know, and I, I think that's the, the beauty in creating um, is that, you know, you want to elicit those emotions, you know, from people and you want to make it different, but you still want to make it work. There's a very fine line um, in, in you know, your, your visual and your auditory um, senses. Um, you know, so if you really want to make somebody feel uncomfortable, you know, you, you have to do it right. Um, you know, but you also don't want to push it too far to where you got people getting sick and, you know, shit like that, because that's just not going to make you money. Right. Exactly. Uh, a soundtrack is an important, uh, is definitely an important part of a film. I mean, yeah. you can watch. You know, it, it's like, uh, you know, we recently, uh, scored a short film for Scott Lake, 
Um, mm-hmm. which also, you know, George, uh, was also, George C. Romero also had part in. Um, mm-hmm. I think it, they wrote, they wrote together and stuff. Um, you know, when, before we started scoring the film, we watched it without any music or whatever. And it was like, wow, it's, you know, it's just so bland. And then once you put the music on top of it, and this isn't just because we did it. It's just a fact of anything. You know, you watch anything that just doesn't have music in it at all. It's just like, oh, okay. But once you put a little bit of spice into it with that, that, that nice audio, uh, energy, uh, if you will, um, it definitely, it definitely takes you to a different place. I mean, uh, we were, I was reading a review, uh, about the film <clears throat> Killing Time, uh-huh. which is the film in question. And, um, somebody had, had mentioned, one of the reviewers had mentioned that, uh, although they didn't really care for our type of music, um, mm-hmm. It, it definitely added to the suspense and the uh, uh, anxiety, I guess, of the film, yeah. which that to me is a compliment. They may not like us, like I like our style, whatever. That to me mm-hmm. makes me feel good, the fact that we were able to add to the whole feeling of the film just from throwing in our shit. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely well, an important part of it. And, and that's the thing that I don't, I don't think a lot of people understand. You know, soundtrack is one thing. You know, adding music, you know, that, that, that is published and, and is out there by, you know, by bands is, is great. You know, um, right. but score, um, the undertones of the sounds that you're hearing, you know, the, you know, right. that kind of stuff is, is the score. Um, and that's the, you know, the eerie sounds that you hear and the background sounds that you hear and, you know, and, and putting those together and, and, an orchestral manner um, is is really genius in itself, and and not just the soundtrack, but the score that goes along with that, and bringing the two of them together at the right time, at the right moment, at the right, you know, the right everything, um, you know, I think is extremely important in eliciting those emotions and making people feel uncomfortable, or giving them anxiety, or making them feel like it's passionate or intense or you know suspenseful or you know whatever the fuck emotion you're trying to drag from them, um, you know. But but doing it right, you know, and, and, and that goes back to, you know, making sure you have the right people doing the right jobs, um, yeah. you know, making sure you have an editor and a sound designer and, you know, and all these things to, to put that stuff together where it's supposed to go so that you can elicit the emotion you're supposed to have. Oh, definitely. I mean, like, you can even go back to, like, I mean, like, just by any John Carpenter film, you know, right. uh, Halloween. I mean, you always mm-hmm. know something's going on when you hear that. Ding, 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 you know, that whole thing, you know, and it is an important part. And uh, there's a lot of people that realize, you know, how important, like, I remember, I remember not even, you know, before I, I really even started that, like, think of the idea of, of scoring films, you know, I didn't right. realize how important, you know, I mean, up until a few years back, you know, when I first, well, I say a few years, I mean, this is about 20 years ago, but like mm-hmm. watching movies like Suspiria, right? you know, where, the sound, the, the the score for that makes that movie what it is. Oh you yeah, know? absolutely. You know, and it it's, it it really is a, a, an important part that uh, a lot of people I, that don't seem to really think realize it sometimes. You know, because you know you, well, you talked about you know, somebody who's not really a, a a horror fan or whatever or any movie in general. You know, and they don't even they don't even like you know oh what's your favorite part of this movie? And if you say oh I really like the score of this movie. 
They're like, what do you mm-hmm. mean? Like, what, you know, they don't get it. But when you're in it, you're well, in it, and you know it, you know. Yeah. Well, he, he, here's a great way to explain that to somebody who doesn't get it, okay? Um, have them watch a jump scare movie on silent and see if it has the same effect. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. if it doesn't have the same effect, then guess what? It's the score that gives it that. You know, yeah. having the, the pitches change up and down and, you know, the, the sounds at the right decibels at the right times to give you that that scare, you know, yeah. leading up to it. You don't even realize that that's what's, what's happening, you know. And then you take any any story whatsoever. I mean, whether it be, uh, you know, fucking Fast and the Furious or whether it be um, The Notebook. Um, you take any film, you remove the score, you know, Star Wars, take out the fucking score in that, and what do you have? Right. You know? I mean, and, yeah. and, and I, so, I mean, I, I think those are, you know, how I would, you know, approach that to somebody, you know, that, that doesn't quite understand what, what you're referring to. Yeah. Um, all right, then. Before before we get <laughs> off this, I got. I've, 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 I've really enjoyed this, this, this conversation. Like we've been having, we've, we've been all over the place, and I love it. Uh, but I have to ask before before we get off here, a um, couple other things. One, uh, let's talk about the short film uh, that you uh, you had me watch the other day. Help. Is that what it's called? Help me. It's called Help Me. Help me. Help me. Yeah. Sorry. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, Okay, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, Logan A. Hamby, good friend of mine. Um, you know, he's he's uh, he's an upcoming you know writer, um, you know, actor, uh, producer, you know, all that good stuff. You know, the thing that we indies do. Um, mm-hmm. And he uh, he approached me a while back. He's like, you know, I got these ideas. What do you think of them? Um, and so, you know, I, I looked at them and it's like, you know, dude, these, these are good, man. I, I like these. Um, you know, and I wasn't just saying, you know, saying that because he was a friend of mine and I didn't want to hurt his feelings. Um, you know, I think the dude is seriously talented. Um, and, and I could really see visually what it was he was, where he was trying to go. Um, you know, and, and being a friend, you know, I was like, you know what? Yeah, dude, let's do this. And, um, so he had given me the script for help me. Um, and he said, you know, let, let's see if we can get this thing done. Um, and so, you know, I, I held on to it for a little while. Um, you know, I was going through some shit and, uh, you know, I was like, you know, man, I, I really got to push myself to be creative. Um, so I, 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 I talked to Jenny about it and, you know, I was like, you know, I, uh, I need to, I need to get this done. I need to do something. Um, you know, this COVID shit and being shut down is just killing me. Um, you know, right. I, you know, I've been the special effects stuff, you know, live here and there. Um, you know, just kind of keep things going. Um, you know, but I, I really needed to, to be creative and get something that can. Um, so I talked to Jenny. I was like, you know, yeah, uh, you know, let's, let, let's get this done, big. And, um, she's like, you know, okay, yeah, let's, let's do it. Um, so I put out a casting call. Um, it's, you know, very simple, one male, one female. Um, Jenny was going to play the female. Um, you know, I put out a casting call and, uh, you know, somebody I, I really respected and wanted to work with, Michael Ocho, um, 
you know, uh, hit me up and he's like, you know, yeah, dude, fucking, I'm, I'm down. And I was like, you know, look, bro, you know, I, 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 I hate that, you know, that this is a, a zero budget project. Um, you know, but I can't afford to, uh, you know, to pay anybody on this. We don't have any budget for this. It's, it's just a passion project. It's, you know, just something to, to, to keep the creative juices flowing and, and you know, and, and get into, you know, creating again. And he's like, dude, right. you know, so be it. You know, and so he, he came out here on his own dime. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we filmed it and, you know, I had a direction. I knew exactly what I wanted and where to go with it. Um, you know, and so we, uh, we got it in the can and, um, and I, you know, I'm, I'm not an editor. Um, I, I will say that plainly. I am not an editor. Um, and I, you know, I enjoy doing it and putting together, you know, enough of it to, to make it resemble something. Um, but I'm, I'm not an editor. Um, right. and so, you know, but it's, it's no budget. So, you know, again, I kind of, you know, took over those reins and, and started putting it together and, you know, how I thought it should go. And, you know, so my second time using DaVinci Resolve, I, you know, I edited together, um, you know, help me. And, uh, you know, I gave you an opportunity to, you know, to, to, to check it out. And, uh, yeah, you know, I added yeah. the sound effects and I added the score and I added the music and, you know, and all this stuff. Um, so, you know, that was uh, the first edit, um, you know, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, title screens and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm fucking super happy with it. Um, you know, I think it's, it's good for what it is. Um, I think it's a, a, a great little short. It's, you know, comes in at four minutes and 42 seconds. Um, yeah. it's, it's quick, it's easy, it's fun. It's not what you expect it to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just, I had a blast working, you know, I, I finally got to work with Ocho. Um, you know, and of course I got to work with my girl and, you know, we just, we, we did it over, you know, about, about two hours is really all it took us to shoot that. Um, you know, both, of, you know, both of them are extremely talented and they just, they nailed it. And, uh, yeah, man, it was, it was just a blast to do, you know, and I sat down a couple of days and, you know, put it together and, uh, you know, started getting, you know, sending it out for a few people to, you know, get some uh, suggestions on what I can do to make it better. Um, you know, and, uh, you know, get some honest appraisals of, of it. And, uh, you know, so far the feedback has been very positive. Now is it now? It's not officially out yet, right? Officially, no. That's correct. Okay, it's not officially premiered yet. So we're not even. So I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna give. I'm not gonna say anything about it. Okay, because <laughs> I'm not gonna. I, because I'm just gonna say this. Okay. When mm-hmm. you sent me, when you sent me, sent me a copy of it to check out. Um, me and my girlfriend watched it, and at first I was like, "What the fuck?" And then by the time that that the that the end comes, it was mm-hmm. great. It was, it was perfect. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good one. I, I like it, I honestly. Like, it just, it's one of those that, uh, <laughs> it's what, cause I'm trying not to, I don't want to give too much away. Right. It's one of those that, that certain, certain, uh, certain people can relate to. Okay. And mm-hmm. but I, it's got, it's got a great, uh, a great turnaround at the end. I, I enjoy it. So anybody that, uh, that's listening, uh, whenever this is out, uh, it, I will make sure that, that there is some way uh, uh, for you to watch this um, from the websites and whatever because yeah. this shit's fucking great. I mean, it I, four four and a half minutes. Um, mm-hmm. It's great. I, I love it. I, I really did like. I dug the hell out of it. So, uh, 
whatever that's put out, let me know, and and I'll you know whatever. But if it's a good thing, I, I want to I want to talk just a little bit, but I want to talk too much because that's that would give away everything, and I don't want to do that shit right. at all. Well, uh, and, and and another thing with it too is that it kind of touches on some of the topics that have been hot over the last couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think that's kind of, you know, it gives it a, a funny tone to it, you know, in, in a couple of different ways. Um, you know, it's not a horror film. Um, right. you know, it, it is a comedy. Um, you know, like maybe, maybe thriller-ish. Um, <laughs> you know, it's got right. some, some, some thriller aspects to it. Um, but it, it is a comedy. Um, and you know it's it's outside of uh, my normal zone. You know I generally stick with with horror, but I do have a couple of other. You know I I like to push myself and my skills in what I can you know possibly achieve and accomplish. Oh, so, of course, yeah. I I want to I don't want to just be known for horror. You know, so yeah, be well be be well rounded. Yeah. Yeah. Right, definitely. Um, you know, so yeah, so it was, it was definitely a fun project. Um, I, I think it's gonna elicit quite a few emotions from people. Um, yeah, and I, I can't wait to see uh, the reaction on it. So yeah, we'll we'll see what happens, man. Uh, I definitely dug it. Um, all right, man. Before before we get off here, uh, tell people like what what you got working on right now. What are you doing? Uh, where they can find you? All that fun shit. Um, right now we're in the process of, uh, of creating. So, um, I, you know, since I started getting a little more comfortable and familiar with, uh, DaVinci Resolve, uh, I figured I would, uh, toss normal terror in there and see if I, you know, what footage I do have done, um, see if maybe I can edit it up a little bit and get another, uh, teaser out there to you guys. Um, you know, as we get ready to ramp up production, you know, as soon as we get to okay with the whole COVID shit going on, um, you know, and then we have, uh, you know, and then of course we have, uh, working with, uh, with Jack Hunter, uh, JHP, um, and, uh, we're supposed to be doing Old that Jackie in boy. January, right? So yeah, man, we're, uh, we're supposed to be doing that, uh, January. We're doing, um, uh, was originally entitled Faceless, is now called Sydney Falls. Um, I'm directing okay. that project. Um, and then uh, I have another couple of shorts I'm going to be working on here real soon. Um, you know, of course, Normal Terror, we're, we're trying to get done, trying to get in the can. Uh, we've still got quite a bit to shoot. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, yeah, we're, uh, we're going to keep pushing. We're going to, you know, keep creating. And, uh, you know, got some more special effects coming up. i got to turn Jenny into a gargoyle here soon. Um, <laughs> nice. You know, and, uh, yeah, that's what I made those horns for. Um, and of course, you know, you guys can always keep up and, and reach it, reach us at, uh, um, my, my Facebook for the production company, Sacrificial Pond Productions is at New Style Gore Films. Um, uh, Instagram is, uh, normal underscore terror underscore the movie. Um, and then of course my Facebook, you know, at Real Sam Mason, um, Twitter at Real Sam Mason. Um, you know, so yeah, that's, uh, that's where we're at, brother. Oh yeah, man. Uh, Sam, I appreciate you coming on, man. I'm glad we were finally able to talk. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll be in touch because I'm always texting you and shit, you know. Um, you got it, brother. We'll have to, oh, we'll have he, to. He, he, he's oh. a, here's a special clip for you, too. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is Sam. I am Mason and I proudly support the Nasty Nation with Chuck Nasty.
Boom, bitch. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Hell yes. That's why I love you, man. Hell yeah, dude. The under the underground sticks together, one hundred percent. That's right, man. That's what we do, oh, brother. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. Well, brother, you uh, see, what time is it right there where you're at? Um, I have three twenty-six right here. That's so weird how time zones are. Uh, right. Well, man, you uh, you have a, a good afternoon, a good evening, and uh, I'm sure uh, I'm sure we'll be talking here later on here in a little bit. You got it, brother. No, man. Yeah, have a good one, bro. Uh, thanks again for coming on. Hey, anytime, man. You you need somebody to come in out here and fucking host with you or whatever else. You need a guest, fucking. You hit me up, dude. Real bullshit. Fuck yeah. Sounds good to me, brother. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. Later. Bye. And there you have it, folks. Another successful episode of Romero Pictures. Any Brigade presents The Nasty Nation. And as always, I'm your host, Chuck Nasty. I would like to thank... Sam Mason for coming on again. Been wanting to have him on for a while. Schedules have been conflicting, mainly on my part, and we were able to do this, and uh, I really enjoyed talking to the guy. Uh, I always enjoy talking to him, and I'm glad that we were able to actually do it on here. Um, so keep a lookout for, for all of Sam Mason stuff, and like he said at the end, he gave you all the, the places to go check uh, check him out and check out his, his updates and whatnot. Um, and... Uh, Always support the underground, folks. That is the important thing. That is a, a big factor in this show and everything that I do, even along with uh, Whitman and me and Graveyard Talk. The underground sticks together, like I said to Sam. And that's the truth. Because sometimes people forget where they came from. So we keep it real here. Keep it real and real nasty. Uh, with that being said... Have a good evening, folks. Uh, enjoy this song from whoever the fuck I feel like playing. And hopefully, you'll hear from me again next time. And I think next time will be Graveyard Talk. We'll see. Who knows? It could be another Nasty Nation. It could be Graveyard Talk. Times are fucked up, folks. But anyway, y'all have a good one. And uh, this shot's for you.
Abolition. Why do I be my?